Hey guys, welcome back to the Confused Gentleman Podcast. This is episode 11. Uh, today with us is Kip, WD, and myself, Christian. And today we have a lovely guest with us today. Uh, as back in episode 10, we had Sensei Dan Khalil with us talk about just life and the positivity of martial arts. Today we're kind of, I'm going to sabotage this episode and we have my lovely mom, Raquel, with us here today and we're going to talk about something that uh, most people know uh, because of October and but October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and that is something that my family has dealt with directly uh, with my mother and we just thought it'd be good to end off the month of October just talk about something bringing awareness to it mom uh, introduce yourself uh, tell them anything you want them to know okay hey everybody um I'm Raquel Brown. I am obviously Christian's mother. Um, I am 50 years old um, and have two other children, um, Nathaniel and Scylla. We, we don't have and to talk about them. Uh, but you need to <laughs> and married to uh, an amazing man, um, Chris. And um, and so that, that's kind of me. So I, I work in IT and cybersecurity and think that's a little bit about she's super modest she's like the it person in atlanta like she's been she's been in magazines she has articles wrote about her she's goes to photo shoots sometimes it may have just been once but it's most definitely probably a few times more than you have been to (laughs) oh definitely definitely a lot more than i've been to (laughs) (laughs) no 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 so 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 this is my mom Uh, i'm the oldest uh, of three like she says she mentioned my my two other siblings, uh, Nate and Scylla, um, and my dad. Uh, so we're just a, a family of five um, growing up. Uh, I think it was a really uh, simple childhood. Uh, you know, two parents, you know, same home. Uh, my dad's a football coach, so, you know, late, you know, Friday night lights, going to games and such. Uh, but coming into, I think it was 06, uh, maybe even 07, uh, our world kind of got you know, knocked upside down at this point. I was in middle school uh, as a sixth grader. I think Nathaniel was, I think, second grade at the time, if I'm not mistaken, maybe first. Um, and we got some news uh, from my mo- uh, from our parents. I just uh, quickly, what I remember is uh, my, my dad, uh, I've only seen my dad cry probably about four times in my life that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so he's not an emotional guy. Like I said, he's a football coach. So pretty much the, the grit that comes from that, uh, is what he is. Um, very much, and not in a negative way. He's not like gonna beat down your throat, which I guess we'll tell a story later on and may counter, uh, contradict <laughs> that. Uh, but, uh, he's a really good guy. Uh, but again, very tough, thick skin. And there was a night, I remember that first semester of middle school, uh, that they called my brother and I downstairs. Uh, and that wasn't really different. I mean, we used to have like family meetings every so often. So y'all calling us downstairs wasn't a big deal, but you could just kind of tell, uh, I guess the, the feel of the room that something would definitely was off. Um, and I remember kind of looking at Nate and looking at dad and dad was tearing up and I was, and me and him kind of looked back to each other. was like, I don't, you know, you kind of get that feeling. You don't know what's going on, but you know, it's not great. Right. Uh, obviously you're ignorant at, at that age of exactly 
what's going on. I, I think mom, mom and dad could have explained it 50 other different ways during the time. And, and still, we wouldn't have been able to grasp exactly what was going on uh, with them. So, uh, mom, uh, what was your point of view uh, before that and getting to that point of sharing that news with us? Sure. So, um, so it was June 2006, um, at the ripe old age of 35. Um, so I was in the best shape of my life, was running all the time, eating right, no smoking, no drinking, no history of any health issues, truly. Um, and so we got the news that, that shook our world as Christian had said. So, um, and it was, you know, obviously this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, but kind of my cancer journey began with colon cancer. And so, again, 35 being told I had colon cancer. So um, <clears throat> needless to say, we were shocked. Um, the, everybody jumped in. The doctors jumped in, trying to figure out the best treatment plan and really trying to figure out why, why I had colon cancer. There's no family history. All of the genetic testing came back negative. And, um, you know, being 35 and having colon cancer, being told over and over again, you're too young um, to have colon cancer. And, and so it just, you know, it just happened that, that I was one of the, the ones who, who got colon cancer. So, that, you know, again, no family history. So um, having your health, you know, we, we haven't had health issues in my family um, across the board. Um, <clears throat> but having your health taken away is obviously something so eye-opening and, and kind of puts everything into perspective. So um, it was actually, you know... It, we, ne we never knew that that was going to be the diagnosis uh, um, and just really kind of wrapped ourselves around our faith to get through it. But absolutely, Christian, having to bring you boys downstairs and, and have that conversation was one of probably the hardest ones we've ever had to do. Um, but also understanding that, um, you know, we, it was early. We, we were going to fight and we were going to be just fine and just trying to be reassuring to you boys that everything was going to be okay was really the first and foremost in, in our, in our minds to make sure that y'all knew look, that this has happened and you know, but, but we're going to be okay. Right. And I, I definitely now being grown up, uh, you two have kids. I'm sure y'all can kind of empathize with, with having to have a, a tough conversation with that. Um, I know me as a kid at that time, I do think y'all did a good job at letting me know like it wasn't anything too crazy. Uh, obviously, I knew it wasn't like you had the flu. Yeah, no, I knew it was a little more serious than that. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you know. <laughs> Sure, but, how, how old were right. you, Christian? Uh, I was, uh, I think I was 11. I think I just turned 11. So middle school. At the time. So yeah, so just, uh, I think that was just me getting out of uh, fifth grade, I believe. Um, so again, young. I mean, old enough to kind of, you know, start putting little, you know, puzzles to, you know, the kind of the puzzles alive together, but definitely not understanding things thoroughly. And like I said, Nate's probably first, second grade at this point. He definitely probably just knew that everybody else is upset, so I'm upset. I don't know. I think me and him growing up, uh, he's 21 now. We've we've talked uh, not in depth, but more in depth than we did when we were 10 and you know 10 and eight um, or 10 and six or however old he was. We definitely talk more in depth, but I don't know exactly how much he knew. Or you know, I I was more I was shocked. Or, you know, 
didn't understand. I, I kind of knew you would know and, and understand what cancer was and so forth. And so for for your brother being so young, we were a little unsure how much he understood. But um, <clears throat> coming back kind of at the end of that battle, um, and he had a story that he was due to um, his his teacher for Thanksgiving. And they had to write a little little story to, to show what they were thankful for that year. And I'll never forget when the teacher called me in tears saying, you'll never believe what your son wrote um, for that year. You know, so June was when I was diagnosed and then November, obviously around Thanksgiving. And he had wrote that he was so thankful that I can play with my mom again because of everybody that prayed for her. Oh. Um oh. And so, and he drew a picture of all of us, you know, at that time, running around through the fields. Right. <laughs> um, but she said she knew that out of all the kiddos in the class, that he was one of the kids who really got what being thankful for something of such magnitude meant. And um, so, yeah, Kristen, I, I, you know, I fully understood that you, you understood. I, I was, you know, we were a little, uh, you know, not sure how much your brother understood, but he actually got it. Um, a lot more than, than we thought, and it was just, you know, heart wrenching. <laughs> were you right, done with yeah. Were you done with treatment in November? Like you so said, no, no. I so I actually, I had no. Um, it was an early stage colon cancer. Um, we did not have to do um, chemo nor radiation, um, and so I did have surgery, um, a resection surgery, and um, after many many different my my surgery. And the location of the cancer was in an odd location. And so we had, you know, second and third opinions. So it took us some time to get to the surgery, but we did have the surgery. Um, and so I was still recuperating um, from the surgery around that time. Um, and I, you know, it was, um, I think the best outcome that you could have gotten from being told you had colon cancer is just the surgery and then no chemo Definitely. and, and oh, no radiation. The, yeah, for sure. We don't have to go through the, the process like that it makes it probably a lot more uh grounded maybe is a good word something that's like okay we'll just move on with our lives and go from there yeah you know and so kind of you know jumping from from that so you're exactly right it was it was um my husband and i it was certainly <clears throat> taxing on us and um, but we had an amazing doctors, amazing church family, amazing kiddos, amazing, you know, family. Um, and so we just had such a strong support system, but, but we knew we were, it, it was a lot, you know, the, there was a lot that was going on. And so, um, and so still recuperating about a year later, um, I went for, um, a, a mammogram and, um, was told it came back abnormal. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, all right. Um, and that wasn't something that, you know, had normally been in my, my family history. You know, all the mammograms had been clean up until then. And then they did a biopsy, and this was again in June. So June 2007, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, it was LCIS, which is, uh, as of, you know, today, it's really considered like a pre-cancer. But I was told that I originally had to have a double mastectomy, um, which was daunting from the fact that I was still pretty much uh, recovering from the prior surgery and, and all that it, we had gone through. Um, so it, it was, you know, I just remember my husband after we were 
diagnosed that, um, just remember, he just said, we're tired, aren't we? I said, we are tired. We're tired. Um, excuse me. <laughs> You're fine. Um, but, but doing some additional research, getting back with my oncologist, um, we came back to, you know what? We're not going to do the mastectomy. Um, there's alternative thinking about this type of breast cancer these days. And you know what? We're going to do, we're going to handle this a different way. And so no surgery, no chemo, no radiation yet again, um, by the grace of God. And I took tamoxifen for five years and they just kept a close eye on me. So, um, and I think they knew kind of where I was coming from, from I'm tired. <laughs> um, and they, they knew it was probably, we need to handle this a little bit differently. So, I took the tamoxifen for the five years, which is an estrogen-blocking medicine because my breast cancer is estrogen-driven, and um, I did really well on it. So um, for many, many years, there was no breast cancer um, recurrence. And just going back to being a kid during this time, uh, a funny kind of lighten the mood a little. My mom had a bell. And that <laughs> bell was the bane of our existence. <laughs> for I, I think all the, that three years stint from like oh six to oh nine. I think you know we because you did you know you had the surgery, then we were covering for a year. But man, I'm tell you what, I, I remember Dad sat us down and he goes, "So you you hear this bell? The bell goes off. You stop what you're doing and you go help your mom." And you know you talk about you know being a selfish middle school. I'm playing Xbox or, <laughs> or, or you know watching ding, the ding, movies. Ding, 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 and you're like, "Are you kidding? You know, are you kidding me?" <laughs> and I th- and I think at one point my mom felt better. I don't know if me and Nate hid the bell or like the bell just went missing. You know, we're all like, hey. I, don't I don't think we have found that bell. No. What you do with the bell, Christian? I, I, I really don't know, but I, I you I and Nick are going did. to the grave with that, aren't right, you? Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and funny enough, I think that's why my mom likes cowbells now. But we'll get to that. Later on. Uh, but that bell, you know, talk about trying to be you know find a little humor in it man my mom like and she couldn't for the longest time she was i guess for lack of a better word couch ridden uh, well, huh? that that's my question was it mostly um because of the medications and the previous surgery like just exhausted and tired and just the healing and recovering process that's kind of what you were dealing with a lot yeah yeah yes and um Yes and no. So physically, obviously, there's a lot going on um, during that time frame. Um, and, and you're kind of like you put on the, the you know, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get through this for that first um, iteration of cancer diagnosis. And you just put your all into it. And, you know, they say a lot of times it's harder for those around the, the actual person who has the cancer because uh, you're in your brain. You're like, I am. I'm here to fight. I'm here to get to the end game. I'm here, you know, and. and <clears throat> my, I was so blessed that all of my cancers have been found early. So, mm-hmm. um, there was a good outlook on all of them, right? There was a good outlook, but still it, it was a fight. You know, you hear the C word and, and you're like, I'm going to fight. And so it, it was, it's just all encompassing. And, um, and you just, that's, that's your job is to fight and get through this. And then everybody around you just surrounds you, um, and supports you through that. But, but you, I guess you just don't realize just how much of heart, soul, everything goes into that fight um, <clears throat> until 
you know, just a year later and you still feel like you're in the fight and you're not done. And then another fight comes and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I mean, this has been a year of poking and prodding and doctor visits and you don't realize how many doctors, um, that are required to get through that. Um, again, like I said, mine was, I could only imagine if it was, you know, some crazy stage or whatever. Mine was caught early, but just doctor visits and, you know, your whole life being disruptive, disrupted, excuse me, but it just, so I think it was less physical to be honest. It was more just, um, you're, you're in kind of like you're in a fight and, in, you know, emotionally taxing. It's just was taxing exactly. And so whenever a year later and you're still kind of exhausted, um, and, and so another, right. Um, diagnosis comes, you're just kind of like, wow, that, you know, a double dose and, and am I ready for the fight again? Obviously we were, um, and I, you know, did, did well through that, um, had, uh, the, a lumpectomy, um, like I said earlier, no, no chemo radiation. Um, and then, you know, did the tamoxifen for the five years. Um, and really, you know, just, pushed through and, and never really looked back. I mean, we just kind of kept going and, and moving forward and kind of just thought, you know what, we've done this once, we're going to do it again and we're going to be okay and we're going to be fine. And, and, you know, and I am a, um, do have my faith and, and an amazing support system in that manner. So um, it would, there was never a question that this wasn't going to be um, a positive thing in the end. So, um, so, so that's kind of where we landed. So, um, and, and many years, I mean, so we <clears throat> did great. Um, I've never not lived a full life. Never, you know, that they do say that, you know, some women who get diagnosed with breast cancer and they don't have the double mastectomy, they, they kind of feel like they are a ticking time bomb. And I've been told that many times in, in my life through all this, and I've never had that. Um, <clears throat> never had that mentality about this, uh, but again, everybody deals with things differently, right? That that's just never been my MO on dealing with this. It's just, I'm going to address it. I'm, I'm not going to go to the nth degree. I'm going to address it appropriately. Um, and, and have had amazing doctors along the way. So, um, so, so Ms. Brown, um, being such a faith-based family growing up in, you know, with Christian, we did a religion episode earlier and being, you know, he's very devout and all that. How do you keep your faith when you learn of that diagnosis initially, but then a year later you have a, another diagnosis. Like how, how are, what are your thoughts? What, what's your thoughts? Like, are you thinking why, why me? You know, why my family? Why do we have to go through this? You know, I don't know if it was ever a why me. It was a, a blessing that you have to look at it as what what could the alternative be, right? Um, I was so healthy. I was the best shape I'd ever been. And, you know, um, if, if there was a time when that was going to happen, that's when it needed to happen. Um, I The, the kiddos were, were to a point where they could take care of themselves, so the timing was okay there. I'm a blessing in that when it actually was when I was diagnosed, my husband, he's a teacher, so it was the summertime. And so he had time to deal with and go to all the meetings and the visits and all the doctors with me. Um, and overall, it, it was a, a 
blessing in that how it all came to be in that they were it was early early stage and so I really never felt um why me I I really felt like you know what Lord this is um if this is when it was going to happen this is the best time and and I've got my support system and um you've given me the the tools that I need to get through this so why not me right let let's we're going to push through this and we're going to do it together and um we're going to you know in the end it is all going to be okay um and so you know I've had other folks ask me you know how does that impact you and and why you but I've also just thought you know you know your mind plays tricks on you you know like <clears throat> You know, if, if this would have been like my mother, my, I mean, I've even thought about that. Like, you know what? I'd rather it be me than my mom or I'd rather it be me than my kiddos. Absolutely. You know, and I just felt like I was in a place in my life that, all right, Lord, if we're going to do this, let's do it. We're going to do it now. And now is the time and we're going to push through. So um, I, 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 I think the, the mentality of, you know, I've been blessed. I've been so stinking blessed. Um, and, and to have had, you know, been able to, to address all this very early on and not wait. Um, and it was kind of a, oops, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. I was, no, you're good. It was just, a, um, kind of a, a little bit of a, not a fluke, but, it, you know, for me to have figured out that I had colon cancer at such an early age was, you know, I, uh, I was going to my gynecologist visit and, and had some conversations with her. And um, she had said, you know what? I, I think I want you to go see somebody else about this. And I was like, okay. So I went to my primary doctor and he said, you know what? It's probably nothing, but I want you to go see this doctor. And so we just kind of took the steps. And so it, it actually ended up, um, everybody thought it was nothing until it was something. And, mm -hmm. um, and just that I think God put the people in, in my path to, to get me to the place where thank, thank God I didn't wait till I was 50 years old and had the colonoscopy at that point in time. Right. And I think to kind of piggyback it off of faith, we had just started going to our home church now that year. Right. I think we started, we started going to church pretty regularly at, at West Metro middle school right i don't i don't think we i even i think i finished fifth grade by the time we started going to church is that right mom or was it a little sooner oh i can't remember the exact timing but it, yeah. it was definitely um long enough to to have that support system around us and and them know know us and yeah um, i think that was a huge us. blessing uh and, and i think it this is pretty cool because our pastor at, at West Metro is actually a family friend of dad's for growing up. They like knew each other and kind of went separate ways. And then mom's sister actually told us about the church. And I think y'all kind of realized like, Hey, I know that day. I know that dude, you know, <laughs> you're like, Hey, I should probably go, go hear him talk, you know? Uh, and that's kind of how we started that. So it, it, it's kind of like mom said, uh, there was a lot of different blessings uh, to set up that support system that I think do, you know, you don't realize in the moment until you're in it or until you're over when you look like, you know, like you said, mom, if you were ever going to do it, I think that was, that, that was going to be the time because you were so set up 
mm-hmm. positively with that support system that if it was if it was going to happen anytime else you if it, I think if it would have happened a year earlier you may not have had that support system or nearly as strong um sure. so I think timing was definitely a, a huge huge part in that kip were you mm-hmm. going to ask something yeah um as a as a doctor myself I am nowhere near at the the level of a, dealing with cancer patients on a daily basis but we hear so often from stories of people get diagnosed with cancer, regardless of what type of cancer, and they they always have some type of initial reaction or gut reaction. And it sounds like through just what you told us that you had a good outlook after things settled down, you figured out and you talked with your doctors. But what was it like when you first heard the word cancer? Like what was like what ran right through your So funny thing is, is like I said, we we weren't even expecting this. So we went for the colonoscopy. It was my husband and the boys were with us. And it was like we were going shopping that day. I mean, it was like a shopping day. Like, okay, (laughs) let's go. We're getting happy meals after this. Let's go, boys. Yeah, it was truly like just a step in the day. One of our our things on our agenda that day was, okay, mom's going to get a colonoscopy. And so we go and, you know, have the colonoscopy and the boys and, and my husband are in um, the the waiting room and the doctor pulls us in to a separate room in which I thought, hmm, that's kind of odd, you know, but okay. And so he pulls us over into the waiting room and, um, <clears throat> or into a, a room with a closed door and closed the door. And I thought, well, okay. And it was, like I said, me and my husband and my two boys and we're like, okay, we're, like you said, we're ready to go get our shopping on. And, um, and he said, he showed pictures, you know, and just said, hey, I'm, you know, we're looking into this, blah, blah, blah. The C word had not been mentioned once by all of the previous doctors that we had seen. And um, he said, uh, we're going to send this off. Um, and we, I don't want to say for sure that it's cancer, but we'll definitely um, look into it and get back with you. Well, that's the first time we'd heard the word cancer. Never. And I don't know why it had not crossed our minds, but it had never crossed our minds um, up until that time that it could even be cancer. So it was kind of a weird, kind of a weird, like, Oh, I didn't even know that it could be cancer. So when that was said, we actually went on with our day. Obviously it was kind of like, Oh Lord, I I hope that's not cancer. But um, fast forward, maybe a week, a week or so. And the waiting obviously is the worst, worst, time um the part of it you know and then going and um talking about having the right people put in our path on my gi doctor um pulled me in and pulled it myself and my husband and we had driven separately because of work and so we had met there and went in and um he did confirm that yes ma'am it it is cancer and um i think i was a little in shock still at that point in time um but he called his nurse in and um and said, I, I, can we pray for you? And, you know, that's not commonplace, right? That doesn't, <laughs> that just doesn't happen, right? Um, and so, and we didn't know this doctor very well, you know, we just had the colonoscopy or whatever and the, the pre-visits, but, and we prayed together. And so that's why, again, I think, you know what, God, thank you for putting these people into our path. Um, and so even though we were a little bit in shock, I, I, I felt a comfort that, that everything was going to be okay. Um, 
and so again, our initial like, wow, okay, this is what we're we're dealing with. Um, and then I, I'll never forget driving home. I'm separate in the car, separate from my husband, and he's ahead of me. And he said he had a little bit of a breakdown on the drive home, but I really was like, okay, what's what's next? What's next? What do we need to do? And kind of got my fight on, like, okay, what's next? Let, let's we're gonna make this happen. Um, and so that's why I think that the person going through it has a little bit different perspective than those around them. And I, and sometimes, well, probably more than not, the people around them have a, a tougher time because person who's in it has a path of all right this is what I've got to do and those around them are just trying to be there and support them um and that speaks volumes to how a patient in general reacts to any kind of diagnosis um whether it be as as severe as cancer or it's just something more simple Um, the outlook you took is what definitely helped you along like you didn't take a negative approach you didn't take a woe is me you didn't take anything like that and on top of it it sounds like you had a great team of doctors around you too mm-hmm. that really i think two did two things one listened to you mm-hmm. and two allowed a sense of understanding to take place <clears throat> like they, they weren't straight up clinical right away with you right they, they let you you know let the words marinate a little bit, let you, you know, because, because I can't imagine them saying you have cancer. We got to do X, Y, Z by this amount of time. And we got to have these numbers and that number that's just going to over, overwhelm the patient. So if you, mm-hmm. by taking that approach, I it definitely kept you more calm and, and kept you on the right, right path. I think. No, agree. Agree. And, and I think, you know, there, there's more to, so with my, my, my colon surgery being so um, just a hard surgery or whatever, we had to go see many doctors. And, um, and, and it was quite, quite crazy just because we went to some doctors who maybe they, they weren't, that wasn't their specialty. Um, and, and my husband finally was kind of had, had enough, kinda, enough is enough, you know, so and just to tell you kind of like the right doctors have been put in my path in that he, he finally asked one doctor, if this was your wife, what would you do? And he said, I would take her to go see X doctor, um, Dr. Arangio. And, and so from the surgeon perspective. And so I, so yes, there's been amazing doctors put in my path, um, who gave great insights. Um, but I also think you have to be, a, a proponent for your own health and if something's not right you need to speak up and, and be vocal um you can be vocal without you know coming off as is not a you know not nice but i think you have to be strong in, in how you feel and, and if that's there's many doctors out there so i think folks got to find the right doctors for them bingo and and so i ended up with the the doctor who brought us in sat us down I'd already had the, the colonoscopy and, and the, the actual cancer had been removed at that point in time. It was just what's next. How do we make sure that it, it doesn't, it has, it's not going to spread and yada, yada, yada. And so, and he brought us into his office. It wasn't even clinical, like you said. And he said, you know what, Miss Brown, you're going to be just fine. And I 
just a flood of comfort came over me because we had had such a crazy time up until that point with doctors trying to figure out what to do. Um, so it wasn't anything clinical that he had to say for us. It wasn't anything like that. It was more, I got you. I got you. And I'm, I'm going to worry about this. You don't worry about this and we're going to be okay. And so I think there's such a huge human perspective that, um, is a part of this that, that I think, again, if you don't, if the doctor you're going to, if it's, if it's not a right fit, you know, find it, find another one. There, there's, there's one out there that will, as you said, listen to you and. and um, Amen. Yeah. You know, that's a, just a, just on a side note on a PSA announcement for anybody is there are so many doctors out there and, and I've told my patients that if I'm not working for you, tell me and I will find someone else for you. Um, it's such a big, we got into a bad system or a bad habit of, of patients just kind of doing whatever the doctor says, never questioning, never asking, never whatever. And, and that, that aspect of, of the patient being part of their care plan is slowly coming back and needs to come back. And I encourage anybody, regardless of treatment options or doctor's visits or whatever, challenge your doctor, question your doctor, be an active role in your care management because you're just evidence of someone who does take things seriously and wants to know what's going on. And it definitely helps you for the better. Yeah. And, and, and I agree a hundred percent and talking about a little bit of a control freak here, right? <laughs> a little, a little, that is a very just good a way to bit. put it. A little. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that for the sake of, uh, uh, of politeness. I love you, mom. A little control freak. Yes. A little bit of a control freak, but it, it is advocate, advocate for yourself. And, but, but you have to, um, you have to listen, right? You're, you're not a doctor. Um, right. You know, you, you're not a doctor, but, but listen and, and, you know, and the internet can be a horrible thing, you know, yes. trying to, you know, but, or it can be a, a good thing. But you do like you do have to find folks that you can trust and feel comfortable with, um, and so I, I say that to where, you know, coming back around um, to my third bout with cancer, um, and so May of last year, so um, I did great, like I said, for the tamoxifen for five years, did did really well, um, took care of myself. I am one to. Go, go, you know, if they say every three months you're having a mammogram, I'm going. Um, colonoscopies every six months or three months or I'm going. I, you know, I am going to be um, on point and making sure I'm doing those visits. Um, and so, as I mentioned before, no chemo, no radiation both times. And that was um, the first time around was, was not of, of my doing. That was just the doctor says it wasn't necessary. The second time around was when I was told you got to have to the doctor told me you have to have a double mastectomy and that just didn't feel right. And so through conversations with the doctors and so forth, um, came back around to, you know what, we're, we're going to do the tamoxifen and, <clears throat> and, and watch it closely. And so, um, so May of last year, um, I had a mammogram that again came back abnormal. Um, and after the biopsy, it was I was diagnosed with DCIS, which is um, true breast cancer, but stage zero, so still very early on. Um, and so I had a lumpectomy in July of, of last year. Um, 
and they said that chemo was not necessary. Uh, and they said this, this cancer had not grown or came of the prior breast cancer. It was nothing like that. It was just, uh, <laughs> I'm one of those lucky <laughs> ones who got it again. Um, <clears throat> but it, so it, it wasn't that it, the tamoxifen that I had taken had done its job. This was just a new occurrence. And so, again, no chemotherapy, but they thought initially radiation was going to be required. Um, and so we, we talked with the, the, the radiation doctor, and he did a lot of research. We, and, and we kind of just asked him, like, look, look at the history. Look at everything that you're seeing. Um, do you feel like radiation is required? Because um, one thing I learned through that is you can only radiate an area once. Um, and so with my history, we obviously want to always have all um, areas of treatment at our disposal. And since this cancer was so stinking early, do we really want to take radiation off the table for this episode? Right. Um, and so he did an amazing job. He's, you know, he's like, hey, the, my, my job is to radiate people. That, that's my job. He says, but you know what? I really want to look further into this and find out. Is this? <laughs> oh, sorry, but that's just a funny word title to say. I radiate people, but let's go on. <laughs> yeah, well, it it was kind of. He's like, that's he a great person, and as you said earlier, he listened. Um, and he had come in prepared and had had read my whole history and um and was just like, wow, like wow, like this is not something I normally see. Like wow, um, and so like I said, took his time, went back through, looked through all that, did some additional testing. And he came back to the table um, and said, you know what, Miss Brown, I looked at, there's some tests, and I apologize, I can't remember the name, but I look at your reoccurrence rate. Um, if I radiate, and I look at, looked at your reoccurrence rate, if I don't radiate, and it's exactly the same. So why do I radiate? Um yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. But (laughs) (laughs) but he did, you know, (laughs) I agree. But he said, there's, he says, this was not just clinical. This was, he, and this was, I had never heard anybody kind of say this. He says, but I've taken into consideration your, your faith. I've taken into consideration your support system. I've taken into consideration that you do follow up and go to your doctor visits that are put in front of you. He says, I've taken it as a whole person analysis yet again with all this medical behind me and I'm bringing to the table the fact that you know what I think you're one person he said you know 95% of the time we may go a different route but for you I think this is the right path so I have a I have like a two-parter I guess a question for you Miss Brown and one for Christian Um, when you when you found out last year what what's the difference when you told your kids and Christian, what if you, know, you can remember? Because I know you were young uh, when you found out about the first time. Mm-hmm. But what was your reaction to this time for a third go around? After uh, I assume it's been uh, it's been quite a while. You know, obviously from the second to the third diagnosis. Uh, you can go first, Mom. Um, you know, I think we have kind of laid a path of, you know, um that we're going to get through this. And so they were so much older at that point. It had been 12 years. Um, so you know, they were obviously so much older. And um, so it was probably a, 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 an easier conversation to have. Um, 
And what was what was sweet is that they weren't with me at the point in time that I told them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, they both were. I don't know if it was that night or the next day. Not with their mama asking them to come love on her, but uh, <laughs> both my boys. My daughter was here with us, so she didn't have to come. Um, but both both boys swung by and just hugged my neck, and um, we giggled and laughed and blah. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything of. Um, sadness it was like all right mom all right and funny thing is i, I don't christian i don't know if it was you or nathaniel but said well mom you know you you um you got the premium package in that you know <laughs> that sounds like me that sounds like me <laughs> <Yeah. Nate. laughs> <laughs> you got the premium package because all the doctors are telling you this is the best kind of cancer to get if you're gonna get it yeah and so it was really lighthearted and just like okay we're, we're gonna make this happen so um kind of a not a somber visit or um, anything like that. Uh, and yeah, Dubs, to answer your question, uh, I remember, like I, like you said, I was really young when mom first told me. Um, so understanding wasn't a big thing. Again, like I said, I knew it was important. I knew it was a serious diagnosis. But this time around, uh, my fi- like uh, I went through, I, we kind of talked about in, in the religion uh, podcast episode two about kind of how my mindset was going through the first mom's first two bouts of uh, cancer. Uh, mom, mom had some really strong faith during that time that helped her. And really that was a big time of questioning my faith um, was when I was younger. Uh, m- mom really like we we're at church every Sunday we could be there. And me, I was just kind of like, uh, mom kind of said it a few times. It's a, it's a really difficult for the people who aren't going through it. Whereas, you know, I know my mom went through a lot, but me personally, you kind of feel helpless, you know, uh, especially as a young kid, seeing your mom on the couch. I kind of joke about the bell, but I was just going to say, uh, right. Helpless when the ding, ding, ding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't helpless then, but, but you know, you, you find, you find those little small moments of laughter and stuff, but re- really just kind of, you know, being upstairs, just realizing like my mom's downstairs and. Uh, she could be getting worse or better or whatever. I had no control over it, right? And I think a lot of people either go get closer to God or go farther away. And unfortunately, uh, in middle school was a was a time that I went farther away. Um, I just I you know I my mom she never said woe is me, but there was a lot of times where I questioned God on why if anybody did my did got cancer. Because my mom, you know, loves God, puts him first, real servant, loving, caring person. I'm thinking of all the people in the world, why would my mom get it? Um, And that was really difficult for me um, to process through. Uh, Just with the news and everything going through that. Um, So fast forward to, you know, this past year when uh, mom told us, yeah, we... I understood immediately, right? Because I'm a lot older. So I knew what it was. Stage zero, kind of like mom said, we've kind of set up a culture of cancer that we just kind of fight it and beat it. And like, there's just not another option. Um, we, when we get cancer, we beat it, you know? And, and I mean, it's, that's just the mindset we come in every day when we talk about that. Uh, but two, I, I mean, I was, I was recently married. I mean, at the time, I don't think Molly and I were married a year yet, or maybe just at it. Um, and I had, I, I honestly cried for two nights. Um, not necessarily because I was 
uh, afraid of anything for my mom, but it just kind of, it hurts a lot when you see someone, you know, that, I, that helplessness kind of came back in, in a, in a quick spurt, if that makes sense of like now, you know, I understand it more, but I'm in no more control than I was then. But the big thing that helped me was my faith is a lot stronger now. So I just remember constantly telling myself, like, God's got this. Like, he's already helped my mom twice. Like, this third time is going to be a breeze. Like, it's going to figure itself out. And that was a huge difference was my faith allowed me to be upset, right? Be sad for those two nights. Uh, And then be able to just, you know, kind of get all the tears, get all the emotions out and just kind of be like, all right, let's fight. You know what I mean? And and let's kind of pick ourselves up and let's get pushing through praying, um, you know, working, doing everything we can uh, to help my mom get through it. So it definitely was a huge mind, uh, a mind switch between those two times. But I do think faith played a lot bigger part in this latest time because my mom never wavered ever during this, or at least she never let us see it if she ever did. And seeing that strength allowed me to be strong and being the oldest sibling, um, you kind of got to be strong for your siblings too, if that makes sense. Or at least, or at least I've always felt that that was my duty was to take care of them too in these type of situations. Uh, You're the big brother. Right, you know? exactly. So uh, I don't know if mom realized I came to the house a lot, made sure Scylla was taken care of as much as I could. Uh, my little brother, I kind of talked to him a little more. Still talk to, I talk to my brother more now than I ever did growing up. Uh, but mom can contest. My brother used to be really introverted. Now he talks a lot. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, kind of touch on that. When we were growing up and mom had her first bout, I do remember a lot of times dad had to be at football practice. Mom is either, you know, on the couch or sometimes she was at the hospital. Right. And then. Sometimes it was just me and Nate and we did have to, you know, I did have to take care of my little brother. Now those weren't a whole lot of times, but I, you know, the few times it was, it really stuck with me that like, it really kind of hammered in that idea. Like you're in charge when they're not here, if that makes sense. Or like, it's your responsibility to take care of your brother when these type of things happen. And that was a big, uh, weight on me. Um, in the sense that I knew that he had to be fed every night, right? And that he had to like be taken care of. Now, obviously, I've cooked 20 times more times than my mom's ever cooked in the kitchen. Um, so I, <laughs> she laughs, but am I lying, mom? No. Okay, there you go. Uh, so, so I do remember, like, you know, a few times you make ramen noodles for Nate or, or you know, even cereal, you know, just the little things to get by because it, I mean, Obviously, my mom wasn't strong enough to to get up and make food at times, you know. Right. Um, right. So when Dad wasn't there, it was me doing a lot of the things around the house. Um, and again, I probably remember a lot differently than Mom or Dad do. But I just kind of remember just from you know being an eleven year old. I kind of remember being you know growing up really fast uh, and trying to take care of Nate uh, and trying to make sure at least. I don't know necessarily protect him from the reality, but at least soften the blow as much as possible um, when we were sure. younger. So being older, 
was a lot easier, I think, for him too, because um, he can go to mom and make those platinum, you know, platinum jokes or whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, he has a good sense of humor like that. And I love my brother. I'm really proud of him. He is surprisingly mature um, to be his age. And I don't know if that's just him or kind of the things like this that we've been through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even, I don't think I even asked him to go to your house, mom. I just think he did it. I think yeah. he, I think he may have actually got there first. Cause I think he I had did. To come, he come beat you. He did <laughs> beat me. He's better than me. I, I said it. Sorry. He's uh, the favorite. He is the favorite. So. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, but in all reality, uh, I think the last time both of us being in our twenties, when we're being told this, uh, Scylla, she's in high school, so she under, I'm very, um, I guess this, this may sound bad, but I'm very glad that mom got it when Scylla was in high school versus middle school, because I, I think she understood it a lot better, um, than what I did. And, and again, I think I understood a lot more than Nate did, but I, I definitely don't wish that on anybody, especially a sibling, if that makes sense, um, so that's kind of the big difference is faith and just maturity changes your mindset. But the thing that was always constant was mom strength. And it's crazy because obviously talking about a support system, you you have to be the one she relies on. But there were a few times now where I think we relied on her um, to be strong because uh, like mom said, I, you just get tired, you know? You get, like, I remember the second time um, that y'all told us, well, like she said, uh, it's like, again, like, can I not get a break? You know what I mean? Can I not, can we not take, give me a, a summer, you know what I'm saying? Give me, give me a little period of, uh, of time to enjoy life and not consistently be going up an uphill battle, especially when you think you're done with the first one. Um, and that was pretty huge. And, and kind of just uh, going to keep talking for a second. I don't know if you remember this, Mom, but I think uh, Dad missed a football game to go to one of your uh, – or missed the beginning of a football game to go to one of your appointments. Did he not? Uh, I, th- I think it was a surgery or something like that. Um, it, 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 but, but it was – you know, it was never uh, – you know, he, he was – talk about unwavering support. I mean, mm-hmm. he was – amazing um and and always you know i my family was amazing i have a large family and and you know i they took turns and never i mean i was sleeping in the hospital i'd wake up and there'd be people people staring at me i'm like what are you doing here (laughs) (laughs) like it's three o'clock in the morning why are you here um and so like christian said so when chris couldn't be there for for, you know, he, he had, you know, he has responsibilities. I mean, he's got, you know, and with you in the hospital for so long, I mean, he's got to go. And so, um, and so family pitched in amazingly, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget, you know, I had a, a sister-in-law who my hair had just gotten disgusting. And so she washed my hair while we were in the, in the hospital. And so, um, those little things that people may think, oh, that's nothing, but it was just, it was just amazing that how many people, family members, just stepped in and, and like Christian said, watched the boys and made sure they were okay. And um, you know, oh, yeah. so 
I was at it, my it, aunt's and uncle's all the time during that. Like, <laughs> like I said, if if we were going to be home alone, some aunt or uncle was picking us up from the school. So, like I said, taking care of Nate, those are few and far between, but uh, it definitely happened a few times. But yeah, I think family did play a, a huge part. Mom does have a have a really big family, really close knit. Um, yeah, my, my family's uh, we're, we're Mexican. On mom's side, I always joke that my left leg's Mexican because I'm only a quarter, so I don't think that really counts. Oh, goodness. Yeah, but but so but my mom's whole side's Mexican, so uh, in that family and that culture, it's it's really close knit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely there were multiple times I was going to an aunt's house here or uncle's house there, or staying the night. Which a lot of times when you're when you're a kid, like I remember going to. Corey and Austin's house, almost it was like a, a week. It, it was like kind of a scheduled thing, if I remember mom going to, you know, uh, Sabrina and David's house almost every weekend. And and, and that was cool with me because I could go hang out <laughs> right. my cousins and play Xbox, you know? So I was like, cool. <laughs> but but really mm-hmm. thinking back on it, they were just trying to make sure that we were taken care of, you know? Right. Um, of course, and, yeah. you, and I, I honestly, I'm just realizing that now when we talk about it, how how big that was uh, for us. Um, but yeah, uh, but kind of like my dad, like I said, football coach, strong man. You don't realize the impact until you realize it impacts something else sometimes. And like I was, I think it was a sophomore during that surgery, and Dad like missed that. He always like used to hype us up. And give us like the pep talks before we go out. And we used to always do this thing where we kind of did a, a rhythmic uh, pad, I guess, dance or something. You know, where we hit the pads, <laughs> hit the hit the helmet. Yeah. I, I forget what you would call that. Um, but I always remember dad wasn't there. And I was because, I, I mean, I had to at least be there. And they all looked at me and I had to do it, you know, and you're like, uh, okay, I'll do it, I guess. Because, <laughs> I mean, I guess I was the best substitute or I was just the only one that actually knew it because he taught me a few times, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, football has been something my dad's done my entire life that I can remember. And he put my mom before that, you know what I'm saying? So, like, my dad was a huge rock to us. Um and I kind of joke with my mom sometimes. So, me, a funny story: me and my cousin Corey broke my bed during this during middle school. Uh, so I slept on a mat- mattress <laughs> for a long time, and I used to mess with them and be like, "It's because we had no money." And they were like, "No, you're an idiot, and you broke your bed." You know. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, I guess that's fair. And we still, me and Corey still talk about that all the time. We're like, you remember that time we broke your bed? I was like, yes, yes, I do. It, it, it was miserable at times. Life with boys. That's oh. it. I remember, when, right. I remember when we did it too. We did not come downstairs uh, immediately. We tried to like <laughs> fix it. And you can't do that with a sniper. <laughs> uh, but anyways, getting, Just, getting back on topic. WD, what you have to say? Oh, well, I was just going to... Um... Uh, from Ms. Brown, uh, do you have any like words of encouragement or anything like that for like the listeners? Uh, everyone's been touched by cancer, I believe, in some way, whether it's a direct relative, cousin, themselves, and right. and we're we're building a, a nice little following here, and I, I think it would do some people uh, some good to 
maybe hear some words of encouragement or just um just I don't know, just something. It's, it's hard for me to put it in words, but um that you might could tell someone if they're going if they have a family member that's going through this or going through it themselves. Sure. Um so it's not, um, as I said earlier, so definitely, you know, know there's options out there. Um, be an advocate for yourself. Um, be open to people helping. Um, like I said earlier, control freak. And so, but be open to allowing those around you help and support you. Because like Christian said, it, it is, um, you know, they, they want to help. Um, it's just, how do I help? And so allow them to, to be there and, and be supportive of you um, and, and understand that they do have, it's impacting them as well. Like I said, it's all encompassing for the person who's, who's actually sick, but, you know, have some understanding that it is impacting them in a different way than impacting them as well. Um, but, you know, so, so one, definitely advocate for yourself to understand that it's not just you going through it. Um, if you do have, it can be faith, it can be whatever you, whatever you have in your life that you can hold, that that's greater and, and more than yourself, hold on to it. Um, like Christian said, I, I, I couldn't imagine running away from something like that at that point in time in my life. Uh, it, it made my relationship stronger um, and my faith stronger. So hold on to that. Um, but again, if that's not if that's not what you have, um, hold on to your family and your friends and, and, and those around you. And know that you're going to get through it. Um, and, you know, again, like this last doctor said, your, your attitude matters which I, nobody had ever really verbally said that to me but it, it he, he made a point more than once to tell me why we're not doing radiation or why we're taking a different path is has a lot to do with who you are and your attitude um and so you know be positive look for the positive there there's a positive spin on it um and, and try to find that try to find how yeah i have cancer okay all right, but you know, it, it's not stage four. It's not terminal or, you know, it's not, you know, or you know what? It's terminal, but, but I have, you know, I, I've got this time with my family. Again, I can't put myself in those shoes. I have not been there, but um, I, I, I hope and pray that, that somebody can find something positive out of whatever situation they are because it, it has been told to me um, that, attitude and in your frame of reference matters on getting through it um and and you know getting on the other side of it so i don't know if that if that helps <laughs> no, no I, I think that's great i think what you said about your your last doctor you know telling you that you, you don't need to radiate in that um you know it seems like he's just you, you have a good support system you have a good team of doctors that aren't there just to push things on you um, which I feel like a lot of maybe uh, medical professionals do, uh, but they're allowing you to let kind of like let your body take care of itself. Uh, and with you being uh, having such a positive attitude, I think that plays a huge role <clears throat> in your body correcting itself. Would you do anything different now, looking back? Hmm. Good question. Would I do anything different? She, um. She cook more. 
<laughs> Stop being selfish. No, no, that no, that that didn't even cross my mind. I hope nope. she gets <laughs> You know what, M- Mrs. I- Brown? I'm going to send him a bell for Christmas to give to you. <laughs> Please do. That would be amazing. Oh, that's great. That would be amazing. You know what? I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I would do differently. Okay. Like I said, I think it it all happened as planned. Um, you know, I, I no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head um, that I would do differently. It, it's all kind of played itself out. I think as as it should have, and um, I'm able to look back um, with fondness. Uh, on the path and find those glimmers of hope. And, and now, you know, I'm, I've got five years, I'm taking another estrogen blocking medicine for another five years. And there's, you know, it, go ahead. It, it just out of general curiosity for myself, did they ever kind of come up with a, a cause or why you have the repeating no. cancers? They, they just kind of say, this is all just circumstance kind of just happens. They've asked me more than once, did you grow up near a nuclear plant? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, you know, funny thing is they've done all the genetic testing beyond this mm-hmm. last bout. They they went, they were like, we've, we've, we did every genetic test imaginable. We've looked at hundreds, you know, back in the day, 12-something years ago, they didn't have the vast amount of genetic testing. They did. Right. They did the BRCA and did, did that and every, nothing showed up. This time around, it was kind of a full-fledged, we're going to check everything in the kitchen sink to see what's going on here. And the um, genetic lady, she came back, and, and she was kind of, it was kind of a, um, she, she was hoping when she took all the information, she'd have some answers for me. And when she came back, she goes, Rock, she says, Miss Brenna, it's hard for me to say this. It's kind of a weird way, you know, but I'm kind of sad because I have no answers for you because I found nothing. And all these hundreds and hundreds of genetics that we've looked through in, in history or whatever, um, I have no, no further information to give you. Um, you know, I was okay with that. I, I was okay with, okay, it's, it's just um, – and, and, right, and to put a spin on it too, that's also good news for Christian and, your, and the siblings as well. Um, yep. Knowing that you, you don't really have a genetic marker – so the kids don't have to worry as much. Um, I, I say that because my my great grand grandfather and my grandfather, both on my mom's side, had colon cancer, passed away from colon cancer, which had metastasized mm. to other organs. So mm. this must have been oh fifteen years ago, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom getting the genetic testing done to see if she had the marker, right, to worry about. She did it not so much for herself, but she did it for me and my brother. Sure, and it, and it came back that she is she does not have the marker. Right. Um. So that's obviously all good news. So she goes out for her colonoscopies as scheduled. You know, she's in her early sixties now, mm-hmm. and um, it's one of those like if if she did have the marker, all that would mean for me would just be I start colonoscopies earlier than most. And it's not a bad thing. And to allude to what we learned from Dan, who had the great, fra- uh, you know, the great phrase of, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of hu- cure. And it just, it, it, you have to take the preventative tests necessary to be fortunate like yourself where you catch things early enough where they're not, Absolutely. they're not a problem. And 
I know people get wigged out about colonoscopies and whatnot, but it's very simple and there's nothing to it. So um, I encourage everybody to do the necessary tests they need to get done to uh, absolutely to just to make sure things don't get haywire. Yeah, and and you know, listen to your body, um, and yeah, don't don't wait for it to get. Uh, Again, been very blessed for everything to be caught early, but like the colonoscopy, and if I would have waited to the the standard fifty year old, that's when you go. Mm-hmm. Um, no, don't wait, don't wait. Yeah. Do, you know, listen to your body. Go and do things early if you can. Yeah, yeah. if you th- if you think something's wrong, question it. Do something mm-hmm. about it. You say Absolutely. that. You say that. My mom's been preaching me to go get a colonoscopy the last year. Well, uh, so that's. That's the one thing that the Donetis lady, I, don't, I apologize, she has a title, but um, she did say that even though it's not showing up, your kids have got to go, they have to start yeah. going, getting cold at 25. And so I was like, Christian, I love it's it. time. Yeah. How old are you, Christian? Are you 30 yet? I'm 26 now. <laughs> 26. So, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, quite honestly, Christian, you know, I, and I'm not, by the time you're 35, it's probably not a bad idea for you to do it. Right. Right. I mean, within the and, next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, piggyback on what Kip said. I my my dad passed away uh from colon cancer three years ago. Oh good. And um with me being thirty I'm thirty two now, you know, it's very highly encouraged that I go ahead well his doctor said forty for me. Um but you know, everything that we've read, <clears throat> my wife has read, you know, uh she actually knew someone who had it at thirty one. Uh so it you know, it's Especially having it in the family, and he didn't get genetic testing done or anything like that. So, you know, it, there could be a market, there could be not. But, you know, I'm I'm a stubborn individual, and I don't want to get that it done. But I know like it is T- time <laughs> to get that magical benefit. juice, buddy. Yeah, Let's get that. Yeah, I, I, know, I know it would be a benefit, but yeah. yeah, just going, you know, piggybacking off y'all. It's you know, I I think it's very beneficial. It's like Kip said, it's the procedure's not bad. You know, and it's and it's and if you catch it early on, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it, it's just a lot better. Right. And I say that yep. my wife has definitely set me up with a doctor in January, so it's coming. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, that's good though. Shout out to Molly. Yeah, it, it is. Hey, my mind now says- you you can get a bell for Molly. No. <laughs> I, just, uh, I have my test tomorrow. Ding a ding a ding a ding. Bring me more water, please. Oh, <laughs> oh that's great. Uh, yeah, and I think kind of piggybacking off that, uh, something I think I would have done differently is uh, when I was younger, I didn't let people help me. And I think if you're going through this, and one of your family members has it, build your own support system or allow the support system you have to help you. Um, I think mom can attest this. We had a youth minister at the time named uh, Kevin Billups, and I just call him KB. Uh, He was huge for me. He'd just come pick me up. We'd go shoot hoops. We'd talk. He'd play Halo with me. And I told him... I think it was about a year ago I finally kind of realized that like he was like what 30 he was like our age almost like 35 give or take and I was like he didn't need an 11 year old best friend playing hoops with him <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of weird now when you say it like that right right yeah, exactly exactly but but I, I kind of jokingly say that but he was my best friend 
and he was the guy that I relied on. And he let me talk about mom when I wanted to talk about it. And he never really like made me have a conversation with him. So he was my, he was one of my huge support systems during that time. And like I said, I told him about a year ago and I, it was tough. I couldn't, I I started crying thinking about it because I don't know where I'd be without him right now. Um, Because he kind of, he kind of let me slowly get out of that hopelessness space and brought me to, uh, you know, I want to say to the light, but brought me to a, a better, healthier place in my life. Uh, just by being there, um, like I said, shooting hoops, you know, hanging out. Uh, it, so if one of you are going through that, find that person. Find that person that is just going to be there for you. And, and isn't going to, you know, everybody wants to help. But you know, if you don't want to open up to everybody, try to open up to one person. Try to find that one person that you know you can go to and just be you and be unapologetically emotional if that makes sense and let them feel what you were feeling because i know uh there were a few times like i'd like yell at kevin (laughs) i was like dude i don't understand why you want me to talk about you know why you're telling me about jesus why we're doing this because i was frustrated with what's going on with my mom you know had nothing to do with him and he kind of like forgave me and was patient with me and allowed me to feel what I was feeling, but also was there to correct me as well, if that makes sense. So uh, that's big. If if you're going through it, find that one person that you can confide in uh, during this tough time, because it is tough, but it, it doesn't have to be as tough. You can definitely, like mom said, find the positivity in it. Find, find that support system that you can do. And that uh, at the end of the day, you'll be better off doing that sooner than later. Uh, but yeah, mom, any, uh, any last things to say about that before, uh, you tell them about my life and and my funny story. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I think y'all probably heard enough from me. (laughs) No. Um, I thank y'all for letting me kind of talk through it and, and and share this and hopefully it does help somebody. I, I hope so. Um, you know, but um, yeah. So, I I um, Christian, your your funny story. Oh, do you God. want me to tell it? Y- you know what? Yes, mom. yes. So yes. So listeners, so, you, have to. you don't have a choice. Listeners, before my mom starts, <laughs> I asked my mom. I was like, you can tell them like a, a, a really like funny story about me. And then when we're scanning starts, she's like, I don't know one. And then she brought this story up and I realized they had never heard it. And it's probably the most embarrassing story of my childhood. So enjoy. <laughs> and Christian, you'll have to jump in where I leave out. So that's fine. This was how I don't remember. It was, was it, um, was it middle school? It was freshman <laughs> year of high school. Freshman year of high school. Um, Christian goes to the movie theater with his friends. And about that time is when we started, you know, we just got cell phones. We were learning how to text, but my husband hated to text and just really despised it. But, um, obviously that's what the kids were doing. So anyway, so it, there was a certain time that the movie was supposed to be let out. And my husband went on up there to the movie theater to pick Christian up. So my husband's in the parking lot waiting for 
Christian to come out. There's no Christian. He waits. He waits. He's getting frustrated. Like, where is this child? He ends up trying to text him and hates texting. He gets frustrated Mm -hmm. and says, that's it. I'm done. I'm going in. (laughs) Now, my husband's a big guy, big football coach. He goes in. I don't know how he even got. Yeah, I don't even know how he got past the people who are like, you don't have a ticket. Don't come in. But he did. And he went into the movie theater where Christian was. And Christian, what was he? What he do? Oh my God! So, so I'll, I'll quickly, yes. So my dad could never text during this time. It was like T nine texting. He had the Nextel walkie-talkie phone. It was not prime for someone to just start texting out of the blue. So if my dad texted you, you answered. There was no like. <laughs> there was no discussion past that. So a little background. So I go to the movies and I'm with the varsity, some of the varsity football players. And I'm a freshman, so I think I'm cool, right? I was actually supposed to go to an earlier showing of this movie, but it sold out. So I had to go like 45 minutes later to the later viewing. So in being a responsible teenager, I call my house (laughs) and I leave a voicemail telling my parents that, yes, I'll be a little later. I'll call you when we get done. Thinking... That was what I was supposed to do. So I go into the movie. I sit with the varsity guys. We're hanging out, throwing popcorn at each other, whatever. And one of the uh, mom was actually Leighton. Uh, Leighton uh. sees my dad. He's coming from the bathroom. So piggyback where mom left off. Dad comes storming in after he's texting me three times, which it took my dad 15 minutes to send a text. So that tells you how long he was in the parking lot. Uh, and he's like, next tell walkie talk talking to me, if you know what that is. And he's trying yeah. to call me and I'm ignoring everything because it's the middle of the movie. And I'm thinking, why are you blowing up my phone? You got my voicemail that I was being late. I don't know why you're calling me. So anyways, I kind of ignore it. Finally, I, I turn my phone off. Um, and I look down and Layton, yeah, and Layton sprinting up the, like we're at the top of the movie theater. I've never seen him run that fast in my life, even in a football game. He sprints up the stairs and he goes, Christian, good luck. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? And, and my dad just points at me and just tells me with his finger to come here. And I was like, yep, I'm dead. Uh-oh. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> and my dad escorts me uh, very uh, sternly out of the uh, theater. Sternly, with sternly. A, okay. With, uh, with a hold on me. And as we get in, he more or less throws me into the car. And it's dead silent. So when my dad's mad, he kind of has layers to how mad he gets. <laughs> So, when, if he's yelling at you, you have some hope. If he's silent and he's mad, <laughs> you're dead. Like, it's just not a... Like, if he's, like, fuming and silent, you know you're lucky to get home. And, and if you get home, you wish you did it. Like, it's just, like, that's the skill. So, my dad was silent for about 15 minutes driving home. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to say say the first word because he's just going to snap on me. You know what I mean? And he's just going to go berserk. So I was silent. And I think I was even texting, like, late, like texting my buddies, like, hey, like, hey, you know, they're kind of like, bro, <laughs> it's what been happened? nice knowing you. I'll right. talk to you <laughs> so we're going home and there's a gas station, what, maybe a, a mile and a half. 
two, maybe three miles. I think three miles is kind of pushing it, don't you think, Mom? I think two miles. Yeah, I think it's road? like a mile. Yeah. yeah. So, but then it was like four, four. I was running a marathon home or whatever, right? So he stops at this gas station. He goes, "You didn't say sorry. Get out, and you're running home." And and then you know the bag. What? So so I have the baggy shorts on. That, you know, like that your belt barely held up. Uh, <laughs> and I think he's joking. So, mom, I did a very smart thing and laughed at him. I was like, oh, oh. like I, I was like, oh, like, I'm not, I'm not running home. And then he said, that's awesome. You can get out of my car, but he used a little more explicit than that. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, he said, and I thought I still, I hopped out and I still thought he was kind of joking, just trying to prove a point. And then he goes, I'm going to turn on my flashers so no one hits you. <laughs> so he oh, so then yes. he turns on his flashers and says get to running oh gosh <laughs> so I'm running down and my this is the busiest highway in Dallas Could, mom do you agree this is probably the busiest it, I mean people drive really fast it's a two lane road but they're driving 60-70 miles down yes. it so and you're talking my dad's holding up traffic at like ten o'clock at night. Yes. And, and I am running. So not only am I exhausted during this run, because I'm not in the best shape, of course. Um, but I'm also humiliated. Cause I know there's like five or six cars behind him wondering what's going on, right? So I'm like sweating and I ran the whole mile. Like it wasn't like walking, taking breaks. It was a dead sprint. Like you're running home. So needless to say, I run home and I'm like furious. You know, at this point I'm mad. And the whole time I'm thinking, <laughs> did he not get the voicemail? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so it's I great as you haven't even asked him about the voicemail. Haven't said a word yet, right? Haven't oh, no, said a wait, word. Wait, 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 wait. It gets better. So, I, so mom doesn't know that dad did this to me. Mom's ignorant. She thinks she was like sitting around the living room or whatever. But I like run into the front door and I, th- I think I just immediately started yelling. Did I not, Mom? I think I. So, yeah. So I'm in the living room. The front door bangs open. Chris was like, oh, he made me run. Oh, what? A-. I mean, just hysterical. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh, wow. He's awfully sweaty. Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened? He's freaking out out just freaking out i mean and soon after that the garage door opens my husband comes upstairs christian's just crying screaming yelling all this stuff and all this is going on and i'm not and i have no clue what happened so when christian said he made me run home i thought he meant run home from the movie theater i thought wow that was a long way (laughs) um but go ahead go ahead christian (laughs) so so i'm in there you know you get so mad you cry you know you hit that point and that's where i was at i wasn't even like sad i was like how dare you make me run home you know what i mean like because i had the audacity to say that right uh so i'm sitting there and i'm yelling and mom is totally oblivious i feel for her now because obviously my dad didn't run this by her when he left you know uh so i'm in there sweating profusely i've even had like a polo on like i'm you're just talking about freshman kid running home from uh running home from the movie theater and i'm sitting there like sweating and i like my dad does not take his time coming upstairs but he definitely doesn't make an effort to be fast either 
I think by the time the door, the garage door closed, he was already upstairs. Like it was like immediate, like he was up there and he yelled at me and he was like, you sit down. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking, what is going on? Cause I, I still think in my head, I haven't said nothing about the voicemail, right? Haven't voiced it at all. So I sit down and on top of our TV, we had one of those really big screen, uh, tube TVs that had like the big back on it. Right. And we mm-hmm. had our home phone sitting on top of it. And like mom's like trying to support dad as he yells me because she, she like still has no clue what he did, but she's not going to like be like, what the heck, Chris? You know, like she's not going to do that <laughs> yeah. in front of him. So she's just standing there and he's like ripping me. And I'm talking about, you know, he's saying, son, that was not a good decision. You should have done that with a lot of explicitives thrown into that, you know, and. And I'm getting the I'm getting the kitchen sink of like yells, right? Because again, he was silent, and I knew I was dead, and I was afraid of what was going to happen at home. So now this is the point of me getting home. So I sit down. I'm getting berated. I look to my left at the home phone, and the voicemail uh, message is blinking because there's a voicemail <laughs> left on it, and I lose it. Cause you well, know, I, I remember you saying somewhere in all of that, I left a voicemail mm. and we were both like, hmm. And so I think after he got done having a nice conversation with you, <laughs> you went, <laughs> you went upstairs oh, and, okay. and we were, and I was like, and so we're kind of looking at each other like, okay, wait, what? He, he left a message? What? So we look <laughs> at the phone and it's blinking and we listen to it and we're like, oh. Oh no! He left us a message, but then my husband, because he is, you know, an amazing person, he said, "But he didn't get our approval to stay." Oh. So, <laughs> there you go. And that yes. was, and that yes. was the stake in the heart because I come down <laughs> and I think I hear them snickering about it a little. No, that, you did not. Oh, I'm okay. So they were snickering a little about it. Uh, but we did kind of laugh. Yes. Right. So they, I, they called me back down and they're like, so we heard your voicemail and I was like, thank you. Thinking like I was like in the clear, you know, like obviously I'm mature. Obviously I can call ahead. And then mom hits me with the dagger. <laughs> Do you remember what you said? Uh, no, was it me? Uh, no, uh-uh. no. Mom goes, well, you should have called so until someone answered, and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 oh, "Fantastic!" Wow. So the whole time I'm spread, I I think I'm in the clear. I leave a voicemail, being a responsible freshman in high school, run home, and they find the voicemail. And I think after all of this, I'm saved, and I get. Should have called till someone answered. And that's how the <laughs> night went. So that's the story of how I ran home from the gas station. That's, that's fantastic. That's a good dad right there. <laughs> that's dad. Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, well, Dubs, you want to close out get that dub nugget? Hey. Yeah, and I have a really good one. And this is um, brought to you by my wife, actually. Hey, shout she, out. Uh, yeah, shout out to Lucy Smith. Um, she, uh, yeah, she sent me this earlier in the week. She's like, "You think this would be a good dub nugget?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> so <laughs> this has to do with <laughs> this has to do with uh, dental hygiene. Um, so we all brush our teeth. At least I hope so. Do and 
So when you put the toothpaste on your toothbrush, did you know that the little bit of toothpaste that you put on the brush has a name? What? There's a legit name, but not called toothpaste. Oh, I, was, I was about to be smart like and say toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah. did not know. Yeah, has a name. It's called a nurdle. A nurdle? A nurdle? <laughs> oh, God, we're going to use nurdle. that so much. Yes. Oh. Yeah, this is great. So, so the uh, the pharmaceutical company, Glasgow Smith-Klein, they like that uh, so much. They have a, a brand called Aquafresh uh, toothpaste. They liked it so much that they created Nurdle World. What? Okay? <laughs> they created that. And I was looking it up, and they actually have a whole activity book for kids, coloring, and all that. <laughs> Get this. It says, Nurdle World is a magical place that lives beyond your bathroom mirror. <laughs> and they even have the names for the Nurdles. They have Milky, Lily, and Billy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, man. <laughs> That's Fantastic! Awesome. The nerdle that yes. that's going in my vocabulary for the rest of my life, right there. Oh yeah, the three of us can start calling Kendall and Tristan nerdles. Yeah, what was the two guy names? Billy and uh, yeah, Milky, yep. <laughs> Lily, Milky, and Billy. We got Milky, Milky, and Milky and Billy, and Billy nerdle. <laughs> <laughs> the nerdles. The nerdles. <laughs> I love that. Very good. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks, Mom, again uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your story. You said a few times you hope this helps somebody. I think we could all agree. I definitely think this will touch somebody in a real positive way and help somebody out. So so we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story uh, with us. And, and I know others who are going to listen to this appreciate it as well. Um, th- thank you. I-, I can't say thank you enough, um, for how strong you've been in our lives growing up. You've been a real rock, uh, for our family. Uh, there's not too many, uh, sh- you know, moms who can top mine. Uh, she's been through the ringer and she still loves her God and still loves her family. And, and we can't be any more thankful, uh, to continually have you in our lives, mom. So, so we really appreciate you, uh, a, a whole lot. Um, Sorry, I didn't get choked up. Uh, so, <laughs> well, thanks, guys, uh, for listening to the Confused Gentleman podcast. This was episode 11 uh, with my mom, Raquel. Uh, thank you, guys, for listening. Uh, go ahead and like, subscribe, and share, and tell us what you think about what you heard today. Let us know if somebody in your family has been affected and if this helped you or them uh, in their battle against breast cancer or just cancer in general. Uh, Thank you for listening again, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you.